You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Health Hub. I'm Kathy Biasse, your host, and along with our producer, Alex Diaz, we would like to welcome you to our show this morning. Alex, good morning. Good morning, Kathy. It's good to be with you. Thank you. It's great to be with you, too. All good? Yes, yes. I was just admiring the new backdrop that you have. Oh, thank you. Uh, Out of necessity, for sure. I pulled my <laughs> desk forward and it turned my chair around from my bed, so now I'm facing back into a wall. <laughs> It, it looks like it looks like you have like a, a, a whiteboard there full of like different no, no. Ideas, like that. No, I have accepted my lot in life and this is my office. So now I'm just trying to make the best of it. <laughs> it's been about, I don't know, 30 shows, but I do believe that this is where I shall be staying. So I decided to do the best I can with it. Well, Anyhow, thank you for for. For, for making that possible for us yeah, to continue. No problem at all. No one else is going to see it anyways, but that's fine. I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> I, I am very much, but please. Our, sh- our show today is being taped, so you won't see my background. Um, and <laughs> and it's, it's all audio as well. Um, but please do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at the Health Hub RMC in all three locations. And continue with the emails. Thank you very much for them. I do read them all, and I appreciate them. And please do subscribe to our podcast. We are at the Health Hub. No, we are the Health Hub on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast platforms. Um, and if you subscribe, you don't have to work too hard about looking at them. They'll come straight to you with notification. And you can also find our podcast on the Radio Maria Canada website, which is radiomaria.ca, and on my website, which is kathybiasse.com. So we have a great uh, show today. But before we get to that, I wanted to address some, a couple of emails that I've received about my opinion on the COVID vaccine. And I, like the rest of everybody in this world, am very new to the technology, very new to everything that is going on. And as much as I would love to give everybody a definitive answer, I am still working through things myself. And what I can offer to all of you is that um, everybody's situation is different. Everybody's ideology is different. And you need to do your due diligence and do your research and do what resonates with you. Uh, I am not an expert in this field and I will, you know, I don't want to comment on it because I am still, as I said, doing research and uh, it will be a little bit of time. Well, I'm not sure actually, you know, by the time the show is on, but it'll be a bit of time um, before the decision will, will be in my hands anyways. But uh, in the meantime, I am looking at um, as much information. I'm trying to get it from reputable sources, and I'm happy to pass on information if you want to email me about that on the sources that I am using. But um, 
I cannot give you an answer as to whether you should or should not be taking the vaccine. So I did want, because it has come in through emails uh, um, from various people and from various emails that I have, uh, I just wanted to to let you know that I do understand the challenges and people's apprehensions, uh, some people's apprehensions. Um, and it really is something that you have to look into and find out if it's if it's right for you. Our guest today is Dr. Francisco Contreras, and he is a cancer specialist renowned for integrating alternative therapies with conventional cancer treatment. For the last 38 years, he has treated tens of thousands of patients who have come from more than 60 countries seeking alternative cancer treatment at his Oasis of Hope Hospital in Mexico. He has spoken around the world and appeared on CNN, MSNBC, and Fox and Friends. He is the author of 12 books, including his new release, The Art and Science of Undermining Cancer. We cover a lot in this interview. Uh, Some of the learning points include why it's important to deal with the emotions and the whole person approach of a cancer diagnosis. How does treatment, uh, treating the whole person influence treatment outcome? And what is the difference between alternative and integrative cancer care. So everybody, this is a great interview and uh, we will be back shortly. They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And right now, right now I'm losing bad. Stood on this stage night after night Reminding the broken it'll be alright But right now, oh right now I just can't It's easy to sing when there's nothing to bring me down But what will I say? When I'm held to the flame like I am right now I know you're able and I know you can Save through the fire with your mighty hand But even if you don't My hope is you alone They say it only takes a little faith
Jesus, I will cling to you. Come what may, cause I know you're able. You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. As mentioned, today our show is being recorded, so no opportunity for calling in. But please do feel free to uh, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at The Health Hub RMC on all three locations. Dr. Contreras, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Kathy, it's an honor and a pleasure. Thank you so much. Um, let's get back to the roots of this. What was the impetus behind starting the Oasis of Hope? Well, um, about 70 years ago, my father went on a uh, trip around the world for his 25th anniversary with my mother and my eldest sister. And my father was an oncologist, was um, a director of a major uh, uh, oncological center in Mexico City from the military. And uh, they visited Pergamum. And, and the guy, noticing that my father was a doctor, asked him if he wanted to go and see the ruins of the first hospital ever built, which was in 300 before Christ uh, in the era of Hippocrates. And so obviously my father said yes, and they, they arrived there, and it was a temple to Escalipius, the god of uh, medicine in uh, Greek mythology. And uh, so the guide explained to my father, and my father later, to later told me, that, um, you know, the patients would come into this temple and, and virtually be evaluated spiritually. Hmm. From there, they would take to a uh, treatment area, and the runes are still there, and there, they would be evaluated physically. And every day during the treatment, they would have to walk through a tunnel, dark tunnel. And unbeknownst to the patients, uh, this tunnel had holes in the, in the ceiling. Uh, you can still see the tunnel in the ruins and, and the holes. And above this uh, holes, the uh, people were there telling the patients, you're going to be healed, you're gonna get well, you're gonna do okay. And, and, you know, the patients thought that it was the gods talking to them. 
And uh, uh, so my father said that it was like a veil that, that dropped from his, um, from his eyes and said, you know, the failure of medicine, especially oncology, is that we're not taking care of the whole patient. We're just treating the human body. We become mechanics of the human body and we do not address the emotional and spiritual needs of the patients. And so he comes back to Mexico completely convinced that, uh, that he's going to, you know, change all of that. And instead of applauding him, they kicked him out. He lost his position. And he, because it was in the military, he was uh, 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 sent to Tijuana, where we are now. And so he said, if, you know, if they don't allow me to do it, I will do it on my own. And, and so privately, he began, he began treating his patients uh, taking into account their spiritual and emotional needs. And he was, if not the first, one of the first who initiated laughter therapy, uh, getting very close to the patients emotionally, uh, talking about their problems and uh, uh, made a correlation between major uh, dramatic events in, in people and their diagnosis with cancer. Uh, and that's, that's the way it started. The alternative part began later uh, when a patient from San Diego brought to him lateral or amygdalin, better known as B17. And that's what, what then uh, brought to my father the combination of holistic medicine with alternatives. Uh, and so for the last 63 years, we have, uh, we have been, uh, 57 years, I'm sorry, we have been doing this type of, of medicine with that philosophy. Do you have specialists within each area of the integrative uh, compartments of Oasis of Hope, or are you all trained to deal with the whole person on all aspects? Well, we definitely train all, all of our, our people uh, to treat our patients holistically uh, and with love and, and understanding. Our, our two pillars of uh, uh, philosophical pillars are love your patient as you love yourself and uh, first do no harm. So one is from Hippocrates, the other one is from Christ. And so that's the basis for, for, for how we uh, address and treat our, our patients. But yes, we have a psychologist full-time, we have a pastor full-time, and of course, we have many, many doctors. As being someone who has been in the medical system with a cancer diagnosis in the Western world, um, so much focus, I think necessarily, I don't know if that's just the way we, we envision it, of the medical, medical team is focused solely on, you know, getting rid of the cancer, treating the cancer, using allopathic approaches to cancer care. How do you have time as an oncologist to work in all of those other aspects? You know, appointments are 15 minutes, not many time, not much time for questions. Often people are left very scared. How are you able to work all of that in when you're treating your patients? I find that uh, so inspiring. Our appointments are at least at least a half an hour, if not an hour. Uh, we we do not finish with one patient in, 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 until all questions are 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 addressed. 
-hmm. Sometimes they cannot be answered, but at least they're addressed. So we, we take our time and I know that it's a big effort, but I feel that if I, if I don't do that, well, I would then I should be selling cars or something else. Uh, we need to spend time, especially with a, a patient that has cancer that has been told that, that there's no hope that they're going to die in six months or in three months. Uh, we, we just, we're, we're committed mm -hmm. to spending the time because a lot of times that is, you know, much stronger medicine than any drug or chemotherapy or radiation or surgery that I can do. It's just for a patient to know that we, that we actually care mm -hmm. and, and that we want to do everything possible without leaving any stone unturned to help them survive this cancer. You know, going through um, cancer care, a lot of the emotional piece of healing is not addressed at all because um, the mentality, and I know this personally, is put your head down, drive through, and get to the end of treatment. And then at the end of treatment, you're, you're left with a lot of unchecked emotions. And I think that True. by doing what you do, and working through emotions from the very initiation of that phone call that says you have cancer. I mean, um, that takes emotionally such a hard toll on the body as well as physically and mentally. And I think that what you're doing by working in this emotional piece, we're starting now. I feel now that we really are trying and starting to understand how much the brain impacts healing. And I'm wondering if you can tell me and give us some examples of stories that um, have profoundly moved you with encompassing all of what you do. So let me frame this by, by explaining to your audience uh, how, how powerful is our mind and how doctors are so vested in removing the subjectivity mm -hmm. of the power of your mind. Um, and uh, why am I telling you that we know? Because apparently most people don't, don't know because they don't do it, right? Most doctors don't work with your mind. Um, so you know, because you've been in the medical field, that we do double-blind studies. And uh, so a blind study is a study where you are going to treat a, a group of patients, half of them with the therapy or medication, and the other half with a placebo, so that you can objectively determine uh, if the drug is really effective or not. And uh, the reason why it's blind is because we noticed before they were blind that obviously knowing who was taking the, the drug would be getting better results than the other ones because your mind swayed the results. Mm -hmm. And so with the double blind, so neither the group that is taking the placebo or taking the drug know what's taking, what they're, what they're doing. And then supposedly the results are going to be objective. A double blind came because the doctors actually can influence the patients as far as results, for instance, a doctor can be uh, uh, owner of stock of the pharmaceutical industry that is doing this drug and, and will be telling patients, you know, what you're going to be taking is the best thing since popcorn and you're going to do well. And that sways the results. 
So now we do double blind studies. The doctors do not know who's taking the drug or the placebo and the patients do not know. To take away the mental power that can sway the results. So if we know that, why don't we use it for the benefit of patients? So one of the things that, that, that I do when patients arrive at the Oasis of Hope is that I want to convert them from victims of cancer into victors of cancer. And that is all in your mind. So uh, you asked me about, about um, patients that have impacted my life. And, and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give you two little stories. One is an aunt of mine that was diagnosed with cancer of the colon with metastasis to the liver, very poor prognosis. When she came to, to me, that's, that's how we found it. So I did the plumbing. I had to remove the tumor because it was blocking her colon. And then we give her our therapy. And three or four years later, that she's completely cancer-free, okay? She comes to me and, and tells me, Paco, Paco's my nickname. She's my aunt. She says, I, I can't sleep. I'm, I'm so worried. But, and, and I tell her, but aunt, I mean, you, you, you have no cancer whatsoever. Yes, she said, but I don't know when it's coming back. So, I, you know, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. She, she's cancer-free and she's still a victim of cancer. The flip side of the coin is a, a yuppie from New York, the young lawyer, 40-ish, that comes riddled with cancer, uh, testicular cancer with metastasis to the bones, metastasis to the liver, metastasis to the, to the lungs. And uh, he's just not doing well. And I look at, at his chart and I, I begin to, uh, to cheer him up. You know, you're young and we're going to do this and let's, let's, let's hope for the best. And he says, oh, doctor, you don't have to cheer me. Why, I asked them, because cancer is the best thing that ever happened to me. Wow. Explain. He said, well, I have three children that I didn't know. I was working 16, 18 hours a, a day, uh, a wife that was about to leave me. And thanks to this cancer, now I've spent all the time that I can with my children. And every afternoon, he said, I hold hands with my wife and watch the sunset. Cancer is the best thing that ever happened to me. And so, you know, here we have a guy that's riddled with cancer that has victory over cancer in comparison to my aunt that was cancer-free and she was still a victim of cancer. And, and so to me, it's very important for the patients to understand that distinction because you don't have to wait for outcomes in order to be a victor or a victim. Uh, and, 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 and all of this has to do with spending, spending time with patients and, 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 and for them to understand, because a patient that is in, in accordance with his condition and accepts it has a much better outcome than a patient that is in angst all the time. Because a fear is the most potent immune depressing agent that there is. And, and so that is why we, we, we have all, the, you know, a team that embraces the, the whole patient because everybody has a story. Everybody has, uh, you know, a, a dramatic story of whether, you know, why they're here with, with their cancers. And uh, so I, I just believe that, uh, that uh, taking care of the whole patient is what makes 
the biggest difference in our outcomes, our, our results are really much better than in any oncological center that, that you want to compare. Um, and, and I strongly believe that one of the uh, major factors for, for that is that we love our patients as we love ourselves. Why hasn't this taken hold more routinely? I, I mean, I just, I don't understand. Um, I, I think um, that there's, there's two uh, major factors. We are so sold on the objective results and uh, to the point, you know, and, and you mentioned it, uh, for a doctor, the only thing that's important is the tumor. The patient is besides the point. And, and so we measure results to what happens to the tumor, to the ridiculous point of a patient that, for instance, receives chemotherapy and the tumor reduces in size dramatically, will go into the books as a, as a success, even if the patient dies. Uh, so that philosophically, we're vested, we're vested in tumors, not in patients. And secondly, what you mentioned at the beginning, it just takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. It does. And most people are not, not, they're not willing to put in the hours. Are um, you seeing a trend towards dealing with the whole person more in oncology at all? Definitely. Definitely. I can tell you that there's a big difference that patients that come uh, where, where they hit the wall in, in, in Canada or in the States or in, or in Europe and they were sent home to die, that when, they, when their oncologists are young, say uh, 45 or less, they are tremendously more open to, um, to a holistic view. And even some of them are very open to alternatives because... You know, oncology is a very frustrating specialty. Out of every 10 patients that a typical oncologist or a conventional oncologist <laughs> treats, they kill 11 uh, because sometimes, you know, the family member dies from all of that terrible information that they give them. And, and so oncologists uh, are, are very frustrated people um, because of the outcomes. And, and, and I do see a trend in the younger generations uh, towards being more, um, more willing to, to acknowledge the, uh, especially the emotional needs of patients. And, and, and so I'm, I'm happy for that trend. Excellent. We're going to take a quick break here, everybody, and we will be back to continue this great conversation. So stay tuned, everybody. There's no space that his love can't reach There's no place where we can't find peace There's no end to amazing grace Take me in with your arms spread wide Take me in like an orphan child
You are listening to The Health Hub, here on Radio Maria Canada. A Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We're having a great conversation here with Dr. Contreras from the Oasis of Hope. And I want to continue along the same pathway because I think that it is really important that we we present to people what exactly is meant in what we, what we call alternative or integrative. Do you want to distinguish between those two terms, integrative versus alternative, or do you use them as the same? No, they're a little bit different. Um, alternative is when, you know, the, you, you've been treating something uh, or a disease, especially cancer, without any good results. And, and, and so you finally come to the conclusion that you need to do something else. An integrative, uh, I'll explain it this way. I, I was invited a few years ago to um, present our results in breast cancer in a meet where there were going to be alternative doctors and conventional doctors. And at the end, there was a discussion. And, and one of the alternative doctors was a little bit um, apprehensive because uh, I mentioned in, in the results that I was doing that we used uh, uh, chemotherapy on those patients. And, and so he was actually uh, not happy that I, who, you know, for many represent the alternative movement, was using chemotherapy. So he asked me, well, you know, make a decision, doctor. Are you going to do alternative medicine or conventional medicine? And I said, well, you know, uh, not every, not all, anybody on either side has all the pieces to the puzzle. So I know that in the alternative realm, we have some pieces and in the conventional, they have some pieces. So I want to integrate them uh, for the benefit of the patient. But, but still, he continued, well, are, are you going to do alternative medicine or, or, or conventional? I said, no, 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 I, I don't want to do alternative or conventional. I just want to do good medicine, whatever is the best for my patient. And so integrative, uh, uh, integrative uh, oncologists, we, we do take into account that conventional medicine has quite a bit to offer to a cancer patient. So uh, I, I believe that natural therapies are, are, are the best therapies for, for a cancer patient. I, I've, I've seen that through the years and I'm convinced. But if a patient comes to me, as I mentioned with my aunt, with a blockage of the colon and I give her carrots, I'm going to kill her. First, I need to resolve the plumbing. I need to operate on her and, and, and put the colon together. And now that I have a passage, now I can start with a diet that is conducive to health. Uh, and, and the same with, you know, maybe there's a tumor in the bronchi that is not allowing a patient to, to heal and, and, and alternative therapies take three months and the patient cannot breathe now. So we can use radiation therapy or chemotherapy to reduce the size of the tumor. We know that that is not going to resolve the issue, but it's going to give us the time to have the opportunity to treat a patient with alternative therapies for the long run. So, uh, uh, and that's, that's the medicine that we practice here at the Oasis of Hope. We have everything available to our patients, all the alternatives that are possible, that are approved uh, in, in, by the Mexican government. And we have all of the uh, conventional therapies and we use them. Remember that I mentioned that we have two 
uh, uh, pillars. One is uh, the first thing is to do no harm. So we will do any therapy that is going to improve the quality of life of the patient. And the second thing, love your patient as yourself, whatever we decide for our patients, we would be willing to take ourselves if we were in that condition. So those are the two driving forces that allows us or, or, or permits us to design a therapy for, for a patient. And, and so I, I do believe that there's a little bit of a difference between alternative medicine and integrative medicine. Exactly. That's exactly the point I wanted to, to push forward to everybody because there's no other disease that strikes the emotional cord like cancer does. And, you know, I work in the, in the field of um, integrative care and people get confused. There's high emotions involved here and it's easy, easy to be led down the wrong path by doing uh, a Google search. And I think it's, I really wanted to bring out to all of you that this is an integrative approach. It's dealing with the health of the cancer patient. It's dealing with cultivating the terrain of a healthy cancer patient from tip to toe. And I am fully, fully invested in this fully invested in this. So I hope this is starting to ring true to everybody. We cannot separate above the shoulders from below the shoulders. Everybody can have a spirituality or not. This is not, um, this is not meant to be an attack on one side or the other. This is to show you the broad picture. And I think it's vital if we're going to move forward in the area of cancer care. Um, Dr. Contreras, can you tell us about some of the integrative treatments that you're able to use? Yes, let, let me uh, um, uh, set the stage for that because um, uh, I think it's important for, for your audience to, to understand that diseases are treated according to their, to their, uh, 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 to their, to their cause, right? So everything changed in medicine when we finally were able to see the bugs that were killing people. And so we, we, we found the cause of the disease, that, that there were bacteria, fungi, uh, whatever, and, and then antibiotics could be designed. Uh, so in, in cancer, we've been trying to find the cause forever. And in the last 15 years, we finally got to the conclusion that cancer is a genetic disease. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, cancer begins with, with mutations within the cell that convert a completely normal uh, cell to a rogue cell. And uh, these mutations uh, help the cancer thrive uh, by producing the uh, proteins in the amounts that they need and by blocking other proteins that will help our immune system fight them. And so uh, um, for the last 15 years, I don't know if you know this, no more chemotherapy has been developed, not one. And, and to me, that's a good thing. I think chemotherapy is going to be a thing of the past within the next 10 years, maybe, maybe 15. Uh, uh, so what are we doing now? Well, we are developing what are called targeted therapies because we know that uh, certain mutations will, will, as I mentioned, promote the formation or the production of certain proteins. And uh, we can target now that... Um, that uh, part of the genetic structure and, and, and stop the production of proteins. And, and you say, and you say uh, wow, that's, that's amazing. So the cure for cancer is, is at sight for, for, uh, uh, for the first time ever. And, and yes, it is possible. 
the there are two problems with with these um, w- with this trend of thought. One is that the average mutations for tumors are, are very high. For instance, cancer of the breast has around 75 to 85 mutations. Cancer of the colon, about 120 to 130. And in order for targeted therapies, you need a, 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 a product for each one of the mutations because they're targeted. They only target one mutation. So if you're gonna cure somebody with cancer of the colon, you would need 120 different targeted therapies. At a cost of about $10,000 a month, it's crazy. And, and for the moment, even though there are hundreds of mutations, we may have 30 targeted therapies to date. And, and just about every couple of months, a new one comes out. But even if we, we had them, it would be an impossible way to treat cancer uh, economically. So what is it that we do at the Oasis of Hope? Well, we treat cancer as a metabolic disease, which is, uh, even though the basis of the disease is genetic, there's no question about it, those genetic uh, mutations have a metabolic impact on the patient. And so the, the common metabolic denominators or, 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 or factors of cancer are quite a few, maybe six, seven, at most 10. And uh, so we address those common denominating agents and have much better results with much less money. What do I mean by, by metabolic impact? Well, uh, no matter what type of cancer, whether it's cancer of the breast, cancer of the pancreas, cancer of the colon, a melanoma, a sarcoma, it doesn't matter. All cancers uh, generate energy from, from carbohydrates in a very poor fashion. For instance, normal cells will produce 32 units of energy from one unit of carbohydrates or sugar. And a malignant cell only produces two instead of 32. So tumors become bullies for sugar. They need a tremendous amount of sugar to function. So logic would say that if sugar benefits a cancer patient, that you should not feed a cancer patient sugar. And interestingly enough, when, when a cancer patient goes to a doctor and says, well, doctor, what should my diet be? The doctor normally says, well, whatever you want to eat. It doesn't matter. They don't believe that the diet makes an impact. Yet, they send the patient to do a PET scan. If, if your audience has not heard what a PET scan is, is the most sophisticated imaging <clears throat> test that we have today where, where tumors actually light up. I call it radiology for dummies. You don't have to study radiology to know because the tumors actually light up. You, you know, uh, uh, they, they turn yellow. You can see them. Why? Because they inject sugar into the patients, and this sugar is tagged with a radioactive material, and because the tumors absorb that sugar, they light up. And yet, the oncologist does not tell the patient not to consume sugar. Uh, and, And like this, the pH of the tumors is very different from the pH of our, of, 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 of the rest of our bodies. The, uh, the, the, the oxygen concentration in tumor is different. Those are all metabolic traits that you can target. And so 
we 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 work on those. For instance, with um, um, sodium bicarbonate, maybe you have heard of it. Mm-hmm. Baking soda, baking soda has proven without a doubt to change the pH of tumor tissue. Whereas, no matter how much alkaline water you take, how much alkaline diet you do, the pH of tumors do, does not change. They protect themselves, but baking soda will change the pH of, of, of the tumor and thus the tumor becomes more liable. Uh, if, if you give no sugar, if you change the pH, if you oxygenate tumors, now no matter how much you run, no matter how much oxygen you breathe, the oxygen in tumors doesn't change. But ozone has proven to change the oxygenation levels of tumors, so we use ozone. Um, tumors are very difficult to kill uh, and we've been trying, you know, to kill them through antioxidation, and it doesn't work, unfortunately. Tumors have to be hyperoxidated in order to be to be killed. And, and so, for instance, radiation therapy, all radi- all types of radiations kill tumors by hyperoxygenating, uh, uh, oxidating the the tumor. So we ox- we use oxidative therapies like vitamin C in very high dosages. Uh, uh, we also use natural anti-tumor agents, for instance, B17 or Latrol. So uh, another uh, therapy that helps patients tremendously is hyperthermia. Uh, heat uh, can kill tumors because tumors grow so fast and so unorganized that their circulatory system is very obtuse. And, and, and normal tissue has a very well-organized uh, circulatory system, and our, our vessels work as a radiator for us. That's how we get rid of heat. And so if you heat a patient to 41 degrees Celsius or, or 42, which is very high fever, your normal cells can withstand that heat. They can get rid of that heat. heat. But malignant tumors cannot. Um, um, so we, we have all of these elements that um, kill tumors in a very natural way without damaging benign cells at all. And, and so when we integrate this, sometimes with chemotherapy, sometimes with surgery, when it's necessary, um, our results have been just you know very, very encouraging. It's amazing. Are there certain um, cancers that respond better to your, your therapies than others? There's no question about that. And uh, we have never stopped looking into, you know, the ones that do not respond. For instance, we, we used to have zero response in sarcomas, which are very aggressive type of malignancies. And now, uh, because of dendritic cell vaccine, which is another uh, therapy, uh, a very potent immune uh, therapy, our results are, are, are now, you know, to the point that we actually invite people with uh, sarcomas to come. We didn't use them. The same for primary uh, brain cancers are, are, were, were not uh, susceptible or, or not sensitive to, to our therapies. Our best results are in cancer of the breast, cancer of the colon, cancer of the ovary, um, uh, especially in patients that are virgin to treatment. So if a patient comes to us first, has a better outcomes than the patients that, that uh, were treated with chemotherapy or radiation before. Um, 
So the, why do some tumors respond better or not? Well, um, there, there are tumors that can handle oxygenation better, so the, or oxygen better. And, and so if, they're able, if we oxygenate the tumor and the tumor can get rid of it, well, then the, the therapy is not going to be as effective. Uh, so there are you know, several reasons why some tumors do not respond. And, and the same will happen, let's say, in cancer of the breast. Our, our statistics uh, show that patients that come to us first in stage four, uh, the five-year survival rate is 75, in comparison to about 30% with conventional therapy. And, if, and, and, and for patients that came uh, to us after chemotherapy and radiation therapy, the five-year survival rate is 50%, again, in comparison to uh, low 30s. Um, so we still have a percentage of people, uh, of people that, that we cannot help. And, and so there are tumors that will be intelligent enough to go around even you know, uh, against metabolic, uh, metabolically-based uh, therapies. So cancer is a very difficult uh, disease, and we have to acknowledge that. You know, I, I sometimes get um, a little bit frustrated with alternative doctors that, you know, tell their patients, you know, cancer is a piece of cake. We can, <laughs> can deal with it just with diet. Uh, diet is extremely important, but it's not sufficient to resolve the issue of cancer. Absolutely. I am sure that there are many people out there that are very interested and intrigued by the Oasis of Hope. And as we come to an end here, I'm wondering if you can let them know um, if there are qualifications, if there are certain um, qualifications will be the best answer for your, um, for the Oasis of Hope and how they can get in contact with you. Our website is oasisofhope.com. Our number is triple eight. 500 Hope. Um, I think that you dialed the same from, from Canada than in America. Um, in the qualifications, if you feel that an integrative approach is what you need at this point, we're here to serve you. My message to you, I hope uh, that, that I was able to convey, it, is that cancer can be treated. You can live with cancer. Uh, you can beat cancer. Cancer is not necessarily a death sentence. And, and uh, that is the first thing that you, need to, that you need to get off your mind. When a doctor tells you that you have cancer, you're going to die. We doctors are not God. We don't know. And, and miracles happen all the time. Wonderful. I want to thank you so much for joining us and sharing that message of hope. It's near and dear to my heart. Um, everybody will have all the information when the podcast comes up. And of course, if you need further information, you're you know very welcome to send us an email. Dr. Gutierrez, I want to thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much, Kathy. God bless you. And everybody, we will talk to you next week on The Health Hub.
You have been listening to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.